Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another East Tennessee Fishing Report with Ellis Ward. How you doing, Ellis? I'm doing well, Marv. How are you? As always, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble, and uh, the dry summer heat of Johnson City is broken, hasn't it? It has. We, as a client of mine said, live in an effing rainforest, which has not been true for a couple weeks, but for last week and then certainly for tomorrow we're getting over a half inch over the course of a few hours so uh it, it's needed and it, it'll you know it'll hurt fishing and and clarity and hatches for a couple of days but the reservoirs needed it and so do the fish yeah so when uh, things kind of settle out in the next i don't know 48 to 72 hours what do you expect to see on the water yeah um I would expect to see some some floods from both rivers, which which is going to be pretty nice. The the Watauga's been doing the one to five, and you know Saturdays it's it's pushing big water for for the rafting, and the South Halston's been doing four to seven, um, you know some three to sevens, but that's really it, and it's you know that that results in a lot of if not all guide pressure being on the Wataga and, and most of it being in low water. So um, fish are seeing a lot of boats and they're seeing them close to the, close to their faces. And at least for the you know next couple of weeks, we'll have options, which is nice. And the Wataga will get a little bit of a reprieve. And I, I would suspect that after a couple days, now we've had a few days of the South Holston generating all day and i was out there saturday a you know big big fish water big fish with streamers water um it was that sort of pea green that you would see in some of the the limestone creeks up in pennsylvania um but no bugs and i mean a, a handful as we got into the evening hours but little range shut them down so after after a few days of that or or even more uh, i anticipate the some of the early you know first light type hatches and then uh last couple hours of the evening to be pretty sulfury and you know something to look for is as you're fishing both these rivers and and a lot of freestones as well. Um, once that light starts going down below, you know, we have some tall trees and then it's a nice part of a tailwater is happy, healthy banks and, and even some bluffs and, and big bends in the rivers with some elevation drops. And those areas tend to tend to start getting hatchy a little earlier just because you have light coming off of the water sooner than than some of the flats so um something to think about if you're cruising along and wanting to find the the buggier stretches yeah and you actually may be able to see your fly because you won't have that mirrored sheen all the way across the river yes you know use a use enough floating on the first fly whatever it is and you know, hang that 22, 24 off the back and 
Um, as long as you have your eye on one, I think you'll be good. Yeah, bring the black Sharpie too. That never hurts. That you a little contrast? Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, so got a question for you. Uh, people love you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we were trying to figure out whether your Instagram story vibe is hip-hop music or metal. So, folks, if you have a preference, let us know. Um, but we got a question from Brenner, and he wanted to get your thoughts on how to target fish in high-water summer conditions, uh, whether you're wading or floating. Sure. And to little little teaser on the music front, I, I would say that based on my mood that those are hip hop and metal or rocker. Um, I, I wonder whether I like either of those the most myself. So for, for targeting fish in high water, I'm just going to start with the boat and then, and then we'll go to the waiting, which is suspect unless you're a client or another guide, a lot of people are going to be, more interested in the waiting. So for for targeting from a boat, it, it's really you, the the benefit of the boat is covering water. The drawback of the boat is that you're covering water, and that is to say that you have an opportunity to hit more shots. But as you are floating, and in particular in the medium to higher speed flows, um, that's it. You, you get your shots as you're going and as much back rowing as you can do, the more you're back rowing, the more you're asking people to change their angles so that they can get a proper presentation and, and generate a retrieve that, that makes a fly look like it should um, versus getting that big bow on the line. And there's, there's a whole other host of things that, start to come into play there. So that's when you're casting from moving water into slack water, which would be the slower water on the bank. So generally speaking, I, I like to, you know, on, on, on these, on most trips, we start to get into a little bit of a groove where, you know, I, I have a read on what they're thinking. They have an idea of, of what I'm thinking as well. And what you want to do, I mean, in, in very high water, you want to find it, it's almost easier in some senses because you're looking around and, and it's it's less about where are the fish because especially in a tailwater, they are everywhere. And it becomes more about where can I make a cast and where can my retrieve be in a place and an angle at a distance that is going to allow me to retrieve the fly in a way that it's going to be there long enough and it's going to act in a way that's going to elicit the eat. And so I'll use an example of what that doesn't look like and that that's casting into, you know, a bank that's super cut and has giant upwells coming out of it. Not that they won't be there. Um, but, but can your fly be in the water long enough? Can it get close enough to a face? Is it in a place that actually makes sense for a fish to come up and eat? Ignoring the, you know, would bait be there or does it look realistic? It's just how much time, assuming you're not casting right onto the nose of a fish, which we rarely are, 
how much time, how many strip strip kills are you going to be able to put in if you're casting into ripping water that's super deep? So really approaching the river with or approaching your spot selection with, with that in mind is going to help you out a lot. Now with waiting, all of that remains true and is sort of highlighted by the fact that you'd die if you were in some of these places with giant upwells. So assuming that you're waiting and you're being smart, um, which, you know, I, I giggled, but that's actually worth noting. Um, a, a brown trout is, is not worth filling up your waders over. So assuming that you're being safe and you're able to, to safely wade, um, this one might sound stupid, but don't pick a spot where you have to put your fly line, rod, fly into a tree. Obviously, you know, get sporty with them, but um, th- there's generally, if you're if you're looking around, you can find fishy spots that don't require hero casting, and and some of that stuff is is going to look like ripples or boulders or things in the middle of the river that to a fish are the same thing as a bank. So any type of speed disruption, um, any elevation changes, weed beds, any of the current seams that you're seeing that maybe just on the other side of that current scene you see that that current slow down a little bit. Um, these, the, I mean, the, the brown trout, when they're over there, and you see it when you release them, especially the bigger ones, they they have to do so little to not move at all in current. And, I mean, that's rainbows chilling in the, the middle seams and, and eating bugs. They're expending zero energy. So really looking at the water and, and forcing yourself to say, what what type of water is behaving as though there is a bank near it, even if there isn't a bank? And so that that really starts to open up, you know, high and low water and, and muddy water where you can't see structure. Um, you can really start to to pick apart the river and whether or not it's the best spot. Uh, you know, that'll be up to you and your fly and, and uh, presumed brown trout to find out. But it does give you an approach. You know, I've, I found a lot of success with that approach, fishing high water up in Pennsylvania before I had moved down here. Um, and, and then another thing, and I've probably said this a hundred times in a bunch of different ways, but change up your retrieve. So, you know, fish, fish and streamers directly from the would-be predator lie and, and trying to elicit that strike and, and pull them out and you know what I call nymphing in fast water. You're you're giving them an option, but you're making them you're you're forcing the decision to happen quickly. Um give them different options. You know, to dead drift, you can cast your streamer up there and just let it float with the current as it's going by it sort of at a at a perpendicular angle so you're still pointing your rod tip where the the fish would be um and then you know start start getting creative do some heck i I caught some nice browns in in pennsylvania fishing the peanut envy and just 
putting it up where I would put nymphs up in the white water, letting it drop down into the the big riffly, uh, almost boiling water, but basically letting it letting it get taken down by that current into a trout face. And you know they're they're sitting right below those rocks, and they have a cushion of water, and they're just waiting for meals. So. Yeah, there, there's there continues to be more ways that that I explore, and certainly none of these are totally exhaustive. But um, you know, on foot, you you have the opportunity to work all of that water and and hit it in a lot of different ways. So, um, pl- plenty of information there. I'll I'll go ahead and stop yapping at you. <laughs> but to, you know, to kind of break it down a little bit, really kind of whether you're fishing from a boat or on foot, you know, you're really talking about two things. One, you're trying to find a spot right where you want to get the fly down, right? So that it just doesn't get ripped, ripped across the water, right? So that's kind of, I guess, thing number one, right? And so that soft water, that might be a stack mend, right? And then I guess, do you generally like people you know, like let's put aside fishing a circus peanut or a or peanut envy in the seams, but more a more traditional kind of um, strip and kill presentation. You generally want them to try to be casting further downstream and maybe have a little bit of a mend so that that fly just doesn't start ripping instantly, kind of sideways. Um, good questions. What um, two two adjustments? One of them is that I I care less about getting down than I do about having the fly be in a place that is approachable by a fish for a long enough time to allow a fish that is probably a couple feet away to come eat it, and in that period of time you need to be animating your fly in, in a way that continues to entice or, or creates the trigger. So, um, you know, the, the upwell example is it's just, it, it's not in the, it's not in any kill zone. I, I've had more brown trout come up through the surface eating hair bugs than I think a lot of people would believe. And they're generally not small. Um, you start seeing it in you know, in, in muddy water, fishing, fishing hair bugs that are up top. Um, I, I, I fish all white game changers in chocolate milk. And because of the size and, and the material choice that I'm, I'm fine with, it's, you know, it's, it's creating that profile. So it's so less about getting it down. And, and sometimes in, in certain situations, I actually like keeping it up. And then for the, you know, the approach, I I err on an absolute straight line, fly in the water, rod tip is already in the water, line is dead straight, and you, if you're able to, to give it a, a tick just after it splats down on the water, that straight line is what allows your line to then go slack. So if you're if you're casting in a way that is allowing current or if you're casting and then pausing and your angles aren't right and the current is creating a bow in your line, your fly just looks like a streamer that was tied on a vise with some synthetics and some natural materials floating through the water. It doesn't look like a fish fleeing. It doesn't have the abrupt speed. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, especially with the Harry Blogs, where I think they have the biggest upside, it does require a, a good amount of work. And then, um, Mark, to 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 touch on the the mend and and where you're casting it, if if you do have the wherewithal to know really where you're going to start that that eat trigger whatever your retrieve is going to be. I mean, if you can splat it down, lift that line up, get tight while your, while your fly is floating and then, and then start animating with a tight line. I mean, some of those, I was joking with someone saying they were about to make me fall out of the boat, casting it up on the stream and just letting it chill there for a second and then start this really fast animation. Um, that, you know, I, I love that type of change up. So yeah. And, and here's the thing, fish and floating line. Absolutely. You, if you're not fishing full sink and in a situation where you, maybe you have some cross currents, fish and floating line, if, if your retrieve is starting after your floating line has been pulled around by currents, are fish going to eat it? Yeah. Will fish eat it more if you give it a pause give it that man to get everything in line and then start your retreat with a straight line. Yes. They will eat it more often. I got it. And, uh, you know, we love questions on the articulate fly. You can email them to us. You can DM us on social media. If we use your question, I will send you some articulate fly swag and we're going to enter a drawing for two days of fishing with Ellis and a night at the Watauga river lodge. And, uh, if you have a most valuable metal you want to throw in there too, just let us know and we'll uh, we'll use it for one of the Instagram stories or your favorite hip-hop song. We're all good. Kind of like classic hip-hop though. Um, Ellis, before I uh, let you hop, you want to let folks know where they can find you so they can book in fish with you? Sure. Uh, website is elliswardfishing.com. Instagram is at elliswardguides. And best way to contact and, you know, talk about what a trip might look like ask me questions whatever also of course book is my cell phone at 513-543-0019 yeah well there you go well, listen folks show it to yourself to get out there and catch a few tight lines everybody tight lines ellis appreciate it marv